0: Hello, Sinners, Saints, and Sisters. Sinner, saint, Sister is a podcast that values curiosity over certainty. We tell the truth about how we feel around here, and we do our best to love our neighbor and serve our God, and we readily admit that some days are harder than others. Thank you so much for the community that we have created here. I hope you enjoy these two bonus episodes, and I hope that you're having a happy Advent, and have a Merry Christmas. When Jesus was delivered to be crucified, he was brought to the place called the Skull. He was there with two other criminals, and he was going to his death like a common criminal. He wasn't crucified alone. The text tells us this, that the rulers were sneering at Jesus. They said, he saved others, let him save himself. If he's the chosen one, if he's the Christ of God. The soldiers were jeering at him, and they approached to offer him wine, and they called out, if you're king of the Jews, well then save yourself. Above him there was an inscription that read, This is the King of the Jews. One of the criminals that was hanging next to Jesus, he reviled him and said, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. The other one, however, rebuked him and said in reply, Do you have no fear of God? You're subject to the same condemnation that he is, except we've been condemned justly the sentence that we received it corresponds to our crimes but this man he's done nothing criminal and then he said jesus will you remember me when you come into your kingdom jesus replied to him and said amen i say to you today you will be with me in paradise if we are in pain it might be a good question to ask how is it that we respond we might not think that we have a lot in common with these two criminals There are a lot of responses to personal suffering. We see them here in the text. The world is full of people who rail against God and presume that the creator of the universe is obliged to make their path straight, their life smooth. But there are fewer, many fewer who acknowledge that the only good to come our way is due to God's mercy and not our merit. These criminals, they have a lot in common. They're both criminals, they're both guilty. They're both undeniably suffering. The cross is a terrible death. They're both dying. They're both next to Jesus and neither of them are very sure what Jesus is doing. They both cry out to him. They both ask something of him. And that's a lot in common. But there are some really important life and death differences to their response. The first thief's heart, it's full of cynicism and rage, and the second thief's heart, it's full of faith and acceptance. The first thief, he sees his suffering in a god who is not answering, but the second thief he sees a sin, and he sees the righteousness of Christ. The first thief, he wants to be saved from his suffering, and the second thief wants to be saved from the judgment of God. The first thief is raging against God because he doesn't feel like he's getting what he deserves, but the second thief is thrilled with God because he knows that he's not getting what he deserves. And the first thief cannot see beyond his momentary suffering. He has no interest in Jesus. He just wants off the cross. The second guy, he's suffering also, but he chooses to trust Jesus. He chooses confidence instead of anger, and he chooses to believe that there is a greater reality later. The first thief, he has no spirit of brokenness, he has no guilt, he has no repentance, no humility. He can only see Jesus as a possible power by which to escape the cross. That's it. He doesn't see him as a king to be followed. It doesn't enter his mind to say that he was sorry or even attempt to change his behavior. But the second thief is witnessing a God that is holy. And he acknowledges that he needs some righteousness because he doesn't have any righteousness on his own. He doesn't have any righteousness. So he just throws himself at the mercy of Jesus. He understands that he is a sinner and he understands that Jesus is righteous. And in that understanding, he recognizes that he needs some help in the righteousness department. And he has to be saved. And that's the gospel. That's it. My new friend, Dr. Gloria Purvis, and I were happy to share space in Nashville at an event we cared deeply about. We shared many details of our lives. And as Gloria revealed her heart to the room, I knew that she was someone I wanted to share with this community. Dr. Gloria Purvis, a radio and media personality, a Catholic author, speaker, scholar, and activist. She has appeared in various media outlets, including The New York Times, The Washington Post, PBS NewsHour, Catholic Answers Live. She used to be an EWTN News Nightly. She hosted Morning Glory, an international radio show. She is now hosting her own podcast, The Gloria Purvis Podcast from America Media. It is all my pleasure to share with you this very important conversation. Hello, Dr. Gloria Purvis. I am so excited to have you on the show today because I've been a follower of your work and an admirer of your work for a oh. really long time. And over the years, I have found you to be someone who bravely speaks the truth, but you do so um, with so much gentleness. And so with gentleness and bravery, when those two things go together, there's something about that combination that gets me every single time. I want our, all of my heroines to be brave and gentle. Um, so it's just such an honor to have you here. Thank you so much for saying yes.
1: Oh, Allison, first of all, it's a privilege to speak with you. Um, that I hope I can live up to the <laughs> introduction. <laughs> You've been When we first met, you said some very kind things to me, and I go back to that in moments of difficulty. Hmm. So I want to thank you for your generosity when the very first time we met with your just care and embrace and letting me know that you were my sister. And I can't tell you how much that really has meant to me. And so right back at you. I mean, I don't often meet a lot of women that could be as sincere and open the very first time we meet and show that kind of trust and vulnerability. Mm. So I, I can't tell you how much I appreciate that. And that has been inspiring to me. And in moments of difficulty, I remember those encounters. I remember that because I feel like it's a hug from the Lord.
2: Mm. And so I
1: just want to thank you um, as well, honestly. Amen. And and thank you for inviting me to be on your podcast. Mm. <laughs> Love well, to, to be God. here. Yeah, that is um, that is an easy offering for you. Oh. Um, it
0: really wasn't until the the Feminist, which was this lovely pro life meeting in Nashville arranged by our dear friend um, Destiny of New Age Feminist, um, that I was able to meet you in person. And there was something that felt, I think that we would all agree, really divine about that meeting. Um, oh yeah. In Philippians, Paul calls us, it calls believers um, to be like-minded, and that sounds like such a tall order, and honestly, until that meeting, I think I had kind of given up on that. I had given up on the idea (laughs) of that, because there are so many places um, where we might see the gospel professed, but inside those places, there are so many relationships that fail to apply it. And so, um, Mm -hmm. there we were, this circle of strangers, technically a secular space, honestly, Um, And there was so much diversity in the room. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But the other part of that verse that Paul talks about when he calls us to like-mindedness is that he calls us to a same love. And we all had a same love that day, didn't we? Oh, it was, yes. Hearing you speak in person— and, um, and share your heart, and then um, receive a great fan <laughs> in me, um, oh. I knew that everything that I was loving about you from afar was just magnified in person. So um, oh my thank God. you so much.
1: Um, <laughs> oh, thank you. Wow. As
0: a way to introduce yourself to us, I was wondering if you might answer
1: the question, who and what do you love? Oh, yeah. So... I'm a wife so I love my husband. I'm a mother mm. so I love my daughter. I'm a believer so I love God. Mm. I'm an extrovert so I love people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh and uh I love beauty, anything that I mm. find beautiful and attractive um attracts me and I love that. So, and I love truth. I will yeah. tell you that. And when I experience it um, through others, there's something beautiful and attractive because I, I see when I see truth, I believe I'm seeing God in that person in a very particular way. When I see courage, that um, is very beautiful to me. When I see people having integrity, I love that. And it, I hate to say it, but <laughs> that's not common, right? You know, right. Um, is, is really not common. But um, those are the things I love in a very broad sense, and also in a specific sense in terms of particular people. I love that so much. Um,
0: <laughs> I would love to know before we dive into the topic at hand, because I did want to talk to you about something very specific. Um, but before we dive into that, what work are you doing right now that's feeling important to you?
1: Oh, well, right now I'm a scholar in residence at St. Martin's University in Lacey, Washington, and that work feels very, very important, exploring Catholic identity at a Catholic university Mm. within um, helping people understand how diversity, equity, and inclusion are not contrary to Catholic values when done right. (laughs) Mm. So this is really important. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, thank you for that. Thank you for
0: blazing so many trails. Um, So, Dr. Paris, I live in a college town, and I am often blessed to be able to walk with a lot of young women as they journey through college and find their identities and, and figure out who they are on their own for what is perhaps the first time and one of the things that i tell them and it might sound a little dismal <laughs> but one of the things that i that i assure them is that if life hasn't gotten hard already it most certainly will i promise oh, you sure. that it yes. is coming and um <laughs> You and I have both lived long enough to know that certainty um, so that it's not some far-off caution, but instead it it is something lived. So life is hard, as we know. What is your personal relationship um, with suffering and how might it have changed over the years or evolved or matured or shifted? Um, Where have you been and
1: where are you now? No, it's so interesting as a young person life being difficult. Um, I grew up in the South. I'm originally from Charleston, South Carolina. I'm a black woman. I'm a Catholic. And at the time that I was, uh, growing up, the myth of the lost cause and the love with the, of the Confederacy was still mm-hmm. a thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's still kinda, it still kind of, seems like it's a thing now, but, um, you know, moving through that space has its suffering, but at the time, because I was so young, I didn't perceive it as a suffering as much as this is how the world is and I have to survive it. Um, And my parents did a very good job of keeping me and my sisters insulated and they were the biggest, you can do anything. Mm. And in the occasions where the real difficulty of the world um, stepped in, it's interesting how much I learned to be strategic. Um, even in my Catholic high school, I remember hmm. I ran for just the nerve of me, right? This actually this Catholic high school that um, had a very small black population. I was in honors classes. in my senior year, I decided to run for senior class president. Um, I won, but the i guess I guess I call her an advisor said, Ah, oh, no, it's too close the the the, 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 the outcome's too close, we need to have a runoff. And the bylaws say, in a runoff, even if you win by one vote, you win. So we had the runoff. I still won, but she said it's still too close. So we had, because of her, we had another, you know, election. She basically didn't want me to win. But this time, um I had spoken to some of the kids in my home room, and they were like, "Ah, let's stick it to the man. (laughs) So they went and got all their other friends. And this time it was a clear victory, Mm. but it's those kinds of um, without an adult telling you, they don't want you to have something. She was making it clear. She didn't want me to have this. Um, She'd done some other things as well. The things I experienced in my Catholic high school that were, were a struggle that was a suffering. It was um, finding out people in positions of power, Opposing you for no other reason than your race. I mean, there was no other reason for her to bend the rules to try to get the outcome that she wanted. So those types of things are suffering when you have to come terms with that kind of reality um, and and learn how to navigate it, you know, and it's not like I can say to her, why are you doing this? Because I was a child in high school. She was an adult. She had the power. So that's one example of something that was like um, upfront, right? And in your face, that's just one example. Um, I could give you other examples from high school, but I'll move on from there. The next one is frankly finances. Graduated from college with that kind of debt. I worked two jobs out of college, Mm -hmm. you know, because I was like, I got to eat and I got to pay rent and I have to pay my student loans back. And that was, a, that was a, a suffering, that was a yeah. shocker. That was after having all that expense and then realizing, you know what? I can't make it in a metropolitan yeah. city because I didn't go back home. I can't make it in a metropolitan city on one salary. So the reality of the world of, oh my gosh, how do you get married, have a family, buy a house when this is my income and this is what my debt is because of my student debt. So that was a real wake up call. That was a reality. And it yeah. was a suffering. And sometimes it, it's it's fearful, right? It can make sure. you fearful. But I was like, you know what? I'm gonna push on through. Um, and then the next really, and you can see how the sufferings change. Then I got married. And then I discovered I was infertile.
2: Hmm.
1: That was a huge suffering because it was a deprivation. Sure. It was something that my husband and I didn't, count on. We just assumed we would get married and have children and there would be no difficulty. And, you know, that's one of the blessings of marriage, right? We're believing Catholics. We're not contracepting, any of that Mm -hmm. stuff, artificially contracepting, any of that stuff. And yet we couldn't get pregnant. So that was a major suffering. That was, I would say, Allison, such a crisis um, that it made me in my Deep despair, begged my husband to leave me. Hmm. I was like, "You deserve to be a father. You're such a wonderful man. Just let's get an annulment." And he, you know, I, I just wanted him to have the blessings of uh, children, and I realized I couldn't do that. And so, when I was begging him to leave and please, he looked at me and Allison. He laughed. And I was looking at him like, why are you laughing? He was like, nice try. You can't get rid of me that easy. We said till death do us parts. And neither (laughs) one of us is getting out of this marriage alive, honey. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it was, it was a beautiful moment that he was letting me know that, hey, we are in this together and this deprivation that you're feeling. I feel it too, but I'm not going to run. I love you. And so that was a that was a deep, deep, deep suffering, Um, a deep realization that something I expected, something that was seen as a as a good, as a blessing, Mm -hmm. the fruit of marriage that I would I would not be able to experience. Um, And so that was a deep. Deep suffering, um, and even though I have a child now, I still very much identify with women who are infertile, and I very much yeah. understand that deprivation and that suffering, that experience of loss. So, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, you know, it's it's interesting to me whether it's uh, you know injustice or or having to go without or or feeling broken. Um, yeah. In each instance, um, salvation can. Come as a surprise because it might not be our fixed circumstances. Um, it might be mm. the love of the people around us, just as you started off saying. You know, the integrity yes. of the people around you, your friends, that say, "Well, let's do yes. this instead."
1: <laughs> yes, <laughs> um, yes.
0: <laughs> and so the way that that God comes to rescue, it might not be the outcome that we've laid out exactly, and yet He's always coming. Um, I I know that we've heard the phrase of course you know why are are bad things happening to good people you know um mm-hmm. why am i struggling to make ends meet i'm a hard worker you know these things don't yeah. line up or maybe even mm-hmm. the opposite which is why do good things happen to bad people um and so there's no one among us that really enjoys seeing good people suffering or, or evil evil people having fun, you know? Right. <laughs> um, right. There's a fairness framework that we work from. Um, justice, that word, it means to set something right. And that's yeah, usually inherent um, in, in all of us. So when so many people are in serious or ongoing pain, maybe even a pain that isn't likely to change... Um, that pain can be a stumbling block. It can be a stumbling block to um, really to people who don't believe. I can't believe in a good God that allows all of these things, but also even to people who do believe. How is it that we can believe in a fair God? How can we believe in a good God when there is so Mm -hmm. much injustice, when there is so much
1: pain and suffering? What do you have to say to that? Oh, yeah. Well, I realized that um, God himself— And Jesus didn't pass away from the cup of suffering. How is it fair that one who never committed sin Mm. not only died for our sins, but died a torturous death for our sins. All is born out of love so that we might have a chance at heaven. So I remember that. And also even in my my infertility walk, which was more than a decade, let me just tell you, Mm -hmm. um, I remember going to a doctor to say, what is wrong with me? Because all my charts for NFP look good. Right. So I went to a Catholic doctor and honey, let me tell you how the devil works. That doctor was suggesting that I do things that as a Catholic, you know, we don't do, we don't do uh, IVF. We don't Mm -hmm. do uh, all these things because our understanding is God ordained for life to come forth from the sexual act, and anything outside of that to create life goes outside of His plan. Yet this doctor was suggesting these things to me, and honey, the devil was sitting on my shoulder, whispering in my ear. Who gonna know? You're married. Yeah. Why can't you having a child is a good thing, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So it's. But then I remember I had to say to the doctor, and 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 pretty much be humiliated by the doctor and the, I guess, internal, I don't know who to know this other person was. I can't remember, but they weren't the doctor, but they were in the medical field. You know, having the doctor shout at me when I was like, look, I can't do this. I'm Catholic. And having the doctor shouting at me and going off. And it was it was a hard moment because everything in me wanted to say, yeah, let's take this path. I mean, I, we're married, we're faithful. This is a blessing. It's a good thing. Yeah. But what I had to come to understand is a child, is a blessing and blessings are gifts. Mm -hmm. Okay. And while I may have had that desire and felt that I was deserving Mm -hmm. to do it outside of the way in which God does things would be me refusing to accept my cross. So let's just, sometimes I needed some level setting as well to realize a child is not, how should I say this? Uh, A child is a gift. A child is a blessing. And it was, especially for someone who is pro-life, it definitely made me look at my values and say, yeah, I I do believe that. So who am I to step outside the natural order of things according to my own beliefs and go and secure this child as if this child is property that I, I can own. So, you know, we looked at adoption, all kinds of stuff, super expensive, went down that path, but God had a different way. For us. I mean, it's, it's still just amazing. Sometimes when you lean into your suffering, sometimes when you ask God for the strength and it ain't easy. I, look, I'm, I'm saying these words and they're rolling off my tongue like it's nothing. We suffered for 15 solid years.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Girl, carrying that cross, embracing each other and just crying, feeling that deep loss but also understanding this is part of what it is to be a believer that sometimes we are called to suffer. And as a Catholic, I understand that I can offer my suffering for the good of others. Mm -hmm. So sometimes I think suffering can just be a mystery. And the only thing that keeps us through it is the love of God, um, compassion, suffering with, um, Mm -hmm. you know, we were, I was praying to the Lord to take it away plenty of times too. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I had to accept that he wasn't removing this cup of suffering from me and my husband. And yes, it's a stumbling block. And yes, it's a temptation, yeah. you know, to do other things to get around it. But this is what it is to be a believer. This is what it means to say, thy will be done, mm-hmm. not mine. Thy will. People say that our father prayer like is, oh, honey, those are some powerful words that thy will be done. Well, am I going to go with it if his will is not my will? Am I going to go with it when his will involves some suffering on my part? How do I walk through that? And, and this is where having other believers pray with you, yeah. Yeah. share with them, you know, Um, Also, it invites you to give of yourself in other ways. I can't tell you how much it also helped deepen how much I loved children. (laughs) It also deepened how much it made me want to help people who were not able to receive children as a gift, who were so distressed by their situation, they were like, we need to end the life of this child. So it really also helped fire up in me even more care and concern yes. for women and families in tough situations. So, you know, God in his way, sometimes that suffering is, is a way for us to explore our own beliefs, right? Yeah. For us to also see the value in things that maybe we hadn't really seen before. Right. But I'm, I'm also not saying that it's perceived as fair because so many right. people would, you know, we were the object of gossip. I don't know, to have people know you're pro-life they see that you're in ministry to help women. Well, why don't you and your husband have kids? Mm. You know, clearly you aren't li- living by the teaching of the church. Clearly you're doing things that, you know what I mean? And so you just have to take that and accept it um, because you don't need to go run it out and explain your personal business to everybody. So you, you were, we were the objects of gossip, you know? And so we accepted that and we offered that up. But I can't tell you that sometimes that, receiving suffering is e- even feels logical, like you can think your way out of it. No, yeah. sometimes you just gotta sit in the Garden of Gethsemane mm-hmm. next to our Lord. That's right. And you you are in your suffering alongside with him. There's no other way I can explain it. I'm yeah. Sorry. Yeah. And
0: leaning into that, I feel like I mean this is obviously a silly example, but I'm here hearing your voice in my ears and I'm just so grateful. I'm like having this joyous moment because we had to struggle to get this thing going, right? And so we lean in to that frustration and it's acknowledging that frustration that can allow this joyful experience of being connected with you this way. And I Mm -hmm. love what you said about that the God of all creation was not spared um, a difficult life. And it's a bad theology to think that because Jesus suffered, now we don't have to. Girl, That is ridiculous. (laughs) (laughs) And and, and scripture is is pointing to struggle. You know, we're we're promised. I mean, we we see the experience of struggle way more than we see you know these triumphant
1: or um, victorious experiences. Absolutely. I mean, as a Catholic, we look at the saints in the church. A lot of them had suffering. We look at people who were martyred, actually lost their life because of their belief in God and the the terrible sufferings that they experienced a part of that. I mean, think of the early church with Christians being torn apart by lions right. in an arena with <laughs> right. people cheering. Right. Like, okay. Like, this so, is real persecution. <laughs> <laughs> that is real. Okay. For real. That's that's for real, real persecution. And that's real persevering in the faith to the very end. Yeah. And those were not pleasant deaths.
0: Right. And we're not guaranteed this perfect life, but we are guaranteed a, a perfect eternity.
1: You know, and I'm so glad you mentioned that. I, one of the, by you're saying that, sometimes it reminds us that this life is not the final thing. This life is not where we're going to have that fullness and happiness because this life, we are not yet fully in the presence of God, which is what heaven is, which will be this kind of happiness, this joy. Um, and I will tell you uh, as an adult, that was one of my questions to God. I was like, how I was like, Lord, you know I'm kind of mixy mixy and I can get bored. How really? How can it be that I can be in heaven with you and be happy forever? I mean, forever ever? <laughs> and sometimes the Lord gives things back to me in an interesting way. That was way. a little so, outcast reference and I want you yes, to know that I picked it up, okay? <laughs> you did. You're so cool. Thank you. I'm glad you got it. <laughs> that was 100% an out, outcast reference. <laughs> you got it. But um, so I I went to sleep and I had a dream and I was, and I'll share this with you just because I think it might be helpful Mm. to make the point about heaven Um, and the question I had been asking God. So I was in this space standing on top of water. I wasn't sinking in it, but just Mm. standing on the water. Mm. And from in this vast open space where I stand on water, water everywhere, all behind me, around me, there were these circles sort of coming toward me. Like I was being engulfed by all these circles just around my feet. And for some reason I started jumping in the water from one circle to the next. It was emanating from some unseen source. And as I jumped on each circle, it was an aspect of God that brought me the most tremendous joy. And so I spent all night Mm. in my dream jumping from one aspect to another, to another. And I woke up so refreshed (laughs) and I realized that's why heaven can be for eternal happiness, because you are having an encounter with the eternal God. And God is infinite. Yeah. Yeah. And so it was in a way to help me understand this is how silly girl, you could be happy in heaven forever and not be bored because you yeah. are with me, yeah, and so it was it was um let's just say it really gave me a a wonderful perspective and also helped me think about, yeah, this place is temporary and passing, but heaven is forever with the infinite eternal God, yeah. and who am I to think that that encounter with God for all eternity will be finite, and therefore that I would be bored? Yeah. <laughs> and so, don't we <laughs> long for a
0: God so much bigger and more mysterious than we could ever imagine? It's what we long for. Nobody wants Amen. to be in control of their God. To, to carry on your water reference, I was—I've been. This was shared with me, and I don't remember how or why. But if we are leaning over the side of a boat and we scoop up a water, a handful of water in the ocean, and we look at that handful of water, that's our life, it, it trickles through our fingers back yes. into the ocean and it is eternity. That is our eternity. And so it's just, there is just so much more. That is our Christian yes. hope is that there is just so much more than this life here. Amen. But we are here, (laughs) and and it turns out that there is no final place of arrival in in living our lives. Right, you know, there's no, there's no, and we're done. We can we can quit growing. Um, our pain will stop. We know that that is simply not true. Um, Paul tells us in in Corinthians that he despairs. Second Corinthians that he despaired even of life, and I don't know what that means, but I know how it sounds. Mm -hmm. And, um, and it doesn't sound great. I mean, it sounds pretty (laughs) intense. And so I'm just curious what you think a Christian's call is when it comes to despairing. We know that, that Christians do despair. Paul tells us so, um, But we see so few models of it. We don't, what does that look like for us? What does that mean? Because our American Christianity, it can be so triumphant. Even if we do know of someone's suffering, we see it after the fact. We see it once they've conquered it.
1: Um, Can you speak to despair like in the moment? What should it look like? Oh gosh. Well, despairing is, I think, just a deep loss of hope almost really. But at the same time that you're Feeling it as a believer, this is these are the points when you're called to persevere mm-hmm. in the faith. Yeah. It's really, I think, also a test and it's, it's a means of humility for sure. Yeah. Because I think you realize in those moments of despair, all you can do is cry out to God and wait. All you can do is cry out to God and wait for God to respond. But then holding on to the truth of the faith reminding yourself that I do love the Lord. This is also a test of love, Hmm. you know? And we know in human relationships, sometimes we just got to hold on because that man's getting on your nerves or you know what I'm saying, (laughs) right? To make those marriage uh, vows is no small thing, Or to
0: even remember, remembering. You know, scripture's always telling us to remember and God can't do that for us. So you remember the cross, these miracles.
1: And you know, and that's why I think there's the beauty of, daily prayer because we are a people who forget. And sometimes, and I believe daily prayers are as a way to remind yourself uh, of who God is and what God's promises are and who you are in relation to God. So I I love that in the Catholic church, we pray the liturgy of the hours, which are morning prayer, mid-morning prayer, midday prayer, mid-afternoon prayer, evening prayer, night prayer, sanctifying those hours. But I also think it is God calling us to remember. Now, I don't pray all of those because I'm not ordained. That's generally for priests and religious do that. But I do like any, anybody can pray the office. I pray morning prayer and evening prayer and night prayer and try to meditate for half hour a day. These are things to remind me. These are things that when we do fall into despair, because we have the habit of prayer, and even if we don't feel like it, these things remind us, our body, our mind, our memory is reminding us that what I'm feeling is temporary and passing. Yes, yes. This despair is temporary and passing. I mean, remember in um, Acts, when when Jesus appears to St. Paul, because St. Paul was getting his behind kicked and beat up everywhere he went, he must've been in great stress. Jesus yeah. appeared to him and said, don't worry the, the people in the next town are my people. You're not going to be harmed. And I thought to myself, mm. what was St. Paul experiencing? What kind of anxiety, what kind of fear yeah. that the Lord had to appear to him? And, yeah. and here's the thing. We knew St. Paul was still going to go to the town anyway, but the Lord appeared to him and say, I said, don't worry, the people in the next town, are my pe- they're not going to harm you. So from that passage, I can't remember exactly where it was in Acts, but from that passage, yeah. I thought St. Paul still was going to go despite all the feelings of anxiety, worry, and real worry, because we know he had been beat pretty bad. Yeah. But he still was going to go. And I wonder if he was also despairing at that point, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to, you know, it's just this endless, terrible, terrible suffering in a very real way, you know, but Jesus appeared to him and said, don't worry, go, you know, these people are in this next town are my people. So the idea that despairing doesn't happen to everybody. We see it happen to the apostles. We see it's happened to many holy people, but what we also have to remember is the perseverance of the faith. And this is where prayer helps. This is where good habits, also yeah. good habits like that um, and and yeah. good habits that lead to an increase in virtue. Right. And we also know that we have, this is why we have believing friends too. You can say, sister, I'm struggling. Can you lift me up in prayer mm-hmm. today? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, but you're right. One of the things I think that's a problem sometimes in American Christianity is this, this idea that if you believe in God, your life will be completely blessed. Mm-hmm. And it's just <laughs> Like that. <laughs> if only, yeah. yeah. We are not exempt from the suffering that our Lord Himself had to experience when He walked this earth. Yeah.
0: There were two things that you, that you mentioned. Um, one of them um, that made me think uh, you were talking about the things that you felt entitled to. You know, th- mm-hmm. these are things that I, that I feel like I'm due. Yes. And um, there is a reminder that His grace is sufficient for us that even if our circumstances aren't you know you know his grace is sufficient for do is that true is that something that we believe is true? Not his grace is sufficient for me if I can have <laughs> X, Y, Z, but his grace is sufficient. But that yeah. requires a going back and remembering the greatest gift that we've ever been already given, um, that we already
1: have uh, everything everything that we need. And that's a tough one, right? Especially in our American culture where we're conditioned to believe we need all the bling and all the extra, extra, and, and recognizing that God may allow us to have that, yeah. or he may say, I'm going to give you what it is you need. Mm-hmm. It may not be what mm-hmm. you want, mm-hmm. but it's what you need. So right. sometimes there's this level setting for us and also this encounter of detachment from things yes. of the world yes. that gives us a certain kind of freedom. But yeah, you're right that uh, the, the I felt entitled to things that it was the wrong disposition. And uh, through my suffering, I, I came to see that. I didn't even realize I had that disposition until I went through a suffering that purified that for me. There's something about waiting. Um
0: I, I imagine that when we are waiting, there's often silence. It might feel yeah. like God isn't really attuned to what it is that we are wanting or needing. And so, in that silence, I have found that it allows what I really think about God, what I really believe about God to rise to the surface. And then that's where I can meet it. I can meet it in that waiting. I can meet it in. And and then, and I can deal with it. You know, you talked about feelings, for example, and our our feelings, they are so temporary. Um, We might think when, as we are feeling them, that they're the only thing that we have ever (laughs) felt or will feel. Um, And yet I've heard that they are, um, what is it? They're they're terrible masters. They might be good um, workers, um, but they are terrible masters. And so as I think about that feelings are temporary and as i wait on the lord in that silence i can confront the things that waiting allows which might be he doesn't care nope that's not true yes he does he's faithful and good um and so we can realign um some yeah. of those those lies with the things that we know for certain which is that he's faithful and good amen um so you mentioned humility and um you know i Think about the book of Job. You know where he is obviously Ooh. in so much turmoil. I mean, there are so yes. many things that he's that he's having to contend with, or or go without, and um, deal with his his suffering. And in the middle of that, he had there's this moment where he kind of holds court with God, and um, in that moment, he starts demanding answers of God, and God ever so gently <laughs> reminds him, "Where were you, hun?" <laughs> What tell me, tell me, Job. What do you know about the foundation of, of the earth? And Job very quickly lets go of his case and says, you know what? Um, I had a friend, she was a chaplain in a hospital, and it was this horrible situation where there was a stillborn baby and the baby was perfect. The baby was perfect. Oh. And there's no good answer. There's no. there's there's nothing. There's no good answer. And she Literally shook her fists and in that moment and demanded why. And she was looking at the baby's hands, at the baby's fingernails that were perfect. And she heard this kind, gentle voice ask, Tell me what you know about making a fingernail. And in that question, it just pointed her to there is so much good that I am up to that you're not privy to. There are so many things that I'm doing that you just can't see the other side of yet. And I'm just I'm curious your perspective about how pain can shake us awake. Do you have anything yeah. to speak to that there, there is, there is a, a different kind of
1: hope that we Christians can cling to? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, wow, what a, what a gift from the Lord that the Lord whispered that to her. And as you were saying it, I kept thinking his ways are above our ways. God's mind is so far above our minds. Yeah, we I just was, yes. don't know. Right. And the idea that our thoughts are can comprehend the mysteries of the universe mm-hmm. um, completely uh, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of humbling in that moment. I, I was, I was listening to that point thinking, well, that's, that's really humbling. I, I don't see it all, Lord. You do. I know you do. And so this is where I have to trust you. It's not saying that I, that my trust is without pain because the pain of a stillbirth of a child, perf- just beautiful and perfect. That is a type of deep mourning, um, of those parents. That's almost incomprehensible, but I also think it was an opportunity for them to unite their suffering with that of Christ and to also contemplate the suffering of the blessed Virgin Mary upon seeing her child dead, holding mm-hmm. her child's body. Mm-hmm. um, seeing her child have been tortured and suffered. Um, it reminded me of the Pieta in the Vatican when i um, in St. Peter's, when you walk in and you see that beautiful stone that was carved of the blessed mother, holding Jesus's dead body. Um, and it was it's the most incredible, beautiful piece of art that displays love and suffering all in one. And I was thinking of that, you know, with this person experiencing that stillbirth. I feel like what you said is that there is there's
0: a grieving that's necessary, yes, our mm-hmm. humility or our trust does not bypass the sadness. That's what what I heard you say. And I think that that is such an important point. It's like, we can't be justified in our anger towards God. We can grieve it, yes, but we can't be justified in our anger towards God. We are committed to this suffering, but this suffering that is tied to humility. That is gorgeous. Oh, thank you. I'm glad it made some sense. Oh my gosh, yes. What advice can you give to a person who is just thick in the middle of it? Um, I, there is so much going on in this world, Dr. Purvis, as you know, that there, there's so oh, much Gloria, grieving. Please call me Gloria. Uh, well, that's sweet of <laughs> you. You deserve every yeah. honor. Um, oh, you know. I, I just think about um, the financial stress that people mm, yeah. are under. I think about the, the death and the loss that um, is just so counter- um to oh, I, how we're created to live forever. Yeah. <laughs> we, you know, these yes. things that that we should grieve, that we are supposed to grieve. What advice do you have for someone number one, in the middle of their own grief? And then, and this might, you know, be more so, what advice do you have to people who are walking with them? Because there's so many ways that we mess it up, that we mess up
1: accompaniment. Oh, this brought me back to my sophomore year in college, getting a phone call to come down to the dean's office. When I got in the dean's office, they handed me the phone and it was my father telling me that my sister had been killed in a car accident that morning and how I screamed and screamed and collapsed on the floor in this office and screamed and screamed and cried and was hysterical. And I, I had to travel in that hysterical state. I didn't change clothes. My face was swollen. I had a girlfriend with me who was there when I the knew, because my parents said, make sure she's with her best friend. Mm. So that girl, we left that on the spot and went to the airport. And I don't remember how I made it to Charleston, South Carolina in that state, but I had somebody accompany me. I had the community caring for me. I, for a decade after that, I would say, it was trauma. Yeah. It was traumatic to see my 20-something-year-old sister in a casket. Hmm. Um, there was no explanation. You could not, there was no, she had just graduated from college. I mean, like literally two weeks be- after, two weeks after shoot, two weeks before she was killed, seemed like. Um, there's no, there was no, nothing to do but experience it and I could not get out of it okay and I remember being in it and just having to bear it there was I could not make her alive again I could not make myself not love her I could not (laughs) make myself not feel the loss deeply yeah but here's the thing Allison And I never knew I could feel this way. In that suffering, I realized I didn't want anyone, even my greatest enemy, even someone I Hmm. really did not like, I never wanted them to ever experience such a thing. And it was, as I think about it, what developed in me was a care for the other in a way that I was like, I never want anybody to experience this. I don't care how vile, how awful wow. they are. No one should experience the death, depth, and pain of this loss. And so it made me start to look at other people in a different way. I, I can't describe it. And it yeah. changed. And I was young, I was a teenager. And it yeah. changed also in me a desire for other people who hurt you to be hurt yeah. in, in, in response. That, that just yeah. changed something in me. So, I will say to those going through it, it does eventually it does eventually end, but you are going to have to experience the depth of yeah. this pain and suffering. I also am going to say to you let people know you're hurting. Hmm. Reach out to the people who care Amen. about you. Seek therapy. That is yes. all right. Yes. Okay, prayer, therapy, sharing with friends maybe even joining a group of people, a support group that's experiencing that kind of loss. All of these things matter. Okay, and you're going you're gonna to go through it. That, that loss of my sister, I think I, it was maybe seven years before I didn't cry myself to sleep at night. Seven Gosh. years. Yeah. So And I, that wasn't even my child. So I can't tell yeah. you what my parents were probably feeling.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. And I don't think they ever, except when I took them to Lord's and they bathed in the water and felt a relief Mm -hmm. of that, the spiritual healing God gave them there. And that was 20 years, 20 something years since my sister had died. So what I'm saying to you is what you are carrying is painful. There's no doubt about it, but seek assistance and help from those around you, from those who love you, from your pastor seeking prayer, reading scripture, asking the Lord for help and persevering in it. I wish I could say it, you don't have to, but this is a part of our walk as human beings and as believers in the faith. And sometimes also being that person for someone else suffering with them who, who may be walking through something as well. There's something in that community of suffering that sometimes makes it bearable. And and I wish I could say, Oh, it'll be gone just like that. But sometimes it's not like that. And that's just the truth of the matter, but know that you are loved, know that you are not alone, know that you can and should talk to people about it and pray and get therapy where you can.
0: Thank you so much for sharing that with us. i am gonna i'm gonna I'm gonna muck all this up, but i <laughs> as I want you to know that I'm changed um with oh. what you said about that that deep, deep pain made you not wish that for another because I was thinking about how wishing ill for another, which is such a common experience, let's be honest oh, yeah mm-hmm. um that wishing ill on another is such a um, is such a greater disease than pain, and mm-hmm. so we have this pain that that relieves us from something that just might kill us so which made me think of this is a hor- This is what I mean by mucking it all up because this is a horrible example of something very beautiful <laughs> that you just said. Um, but my friend had a staph infection and it was on her face. Okay, and it oh. was gross. It was big and it was gross, and it needed. I'm sorry for the details. I won't go no, into no, many go of them, but it needed lanced. Okay. Okay. Right. And so she's like, "I'm sorry. What?" Like, you're going to slice my face open? And the answer to that was yes, because there it is going to prevent a greater harm. Yes, it right. is going to hurt. And it even leave- left a scar. There is a scar on my friend's face, but it has alleviated a greater disease, even death. Girl. And if that's not something I- I'd... I am, I am changed. And so I want, I I thank you for that, um, example. Um, and, and then also the importance of just being with, I Mm -hmm. doubt in your moment, because you said multiple times that there, you don't even know how you got to Charleston, South Carolina, which tells me that you don't remember what your friend said to you. There's no need for that. You just needed her with you. She wasn't spewing any wisdom that was going to do you any good in that moment. It was just her nearness. And what a simple charge that is for those of us who are wanting to belong to one another. You just need to be there. I'm just so grateful for the simplicity (laughs) um, (laughs) of that command. We can just weep with people. Um, Gosh. Anything else? Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap up and figure out how we can um support
1: you and cheer you on and your important work? Oh, um well, I want to say thank you for the privilege of being able to speak with you on such a deep topic, on a topic that touches. So many people, and it will touch everyone at some point before we leave this place. Everyone yeah. is going to experience suffering. Right. So thank you for allowing me to share with you, hmm. you know, about, about suffering and for your, your beautiful, you know, explanations. I guess I would say I loved the, the real life examples you gave as well that put so much depth in it. And thank you for quoting from scripture. Hmm. That was incredible. Amen. I love that. So now I'm gonna run back and go reread <laughs> Philippians. Because girl, you got me like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Let me back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and, and, you. and 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 again, <laughs> to everybody out there, know that I'm including you in in my prayers. Um, in, in my spiritual life, I'm a third order Carmelite. And I was afraid actually when I realized I had to call to be a Carmelite. Because if you read about their lives, they don't do nothing but suffer. I was like, "What?" I was like, "Really, Lord?" <laughs> I'll do nothing but suffer. Oh, like, my what? gosh. So, so uh so I uh commit to for everyone that listens to this podcast, even though I don't know your name, I don't know your face, I can pray for you. And I will pray for you and offer to lo- the Lord whatever Meager sufferings he may put my way that you may benefit in some way. So, thank you for allowing me to offer that to you and your listeners, to anyone that's listening, that I would be able to, in some way, be able to glorify God by asking him to use whatever little suffering he gives me to benefit everyone that listens to this podcast. So, that's the only thing I last I'd like to offer, Amen. I guess.
0: <laughs> so where would you like for us to follow you? Because we we want to to pump you up and support your work and and retweet or whatever okay, we're calling it these you. days.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Uh, who knows? Also on <laughs> Twitter, now known as X, you can follow me at Gloria underscore Purvis. I'm on Facebook, Gloria Purvis. It's just my personal page. I don't yet have another page. And then actually I'm on Instagram. At um, I am Gloria Purvis, and I'm trying to learn the Instagram uh better. Uh, so Good. I need to yeah. understand. So I will try to engage more on Instagram. But yeah, if you could follow me in those places, that'd be great. And 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 send me a note letting me know you heard me on this yes. podcast. Yeah. That would be Amen. great. And and I, if I could ask for your support, also, I have a podcast with America Media. We'll be doing season season three at some point. Okay. If you all just Um, subscribe to it. It's called the Gloria Purvis podcast. And maybe even drop a note to American media, letting them know you're looking forward to season three. But if you have, if you've never heard it before, please go listen to seasons one and seasons two. And if you have some topics you want me to discuss, send them to me. I'd be happy to look into it. So those are the only asks I have. And of course, keep me in your prayer.
0: Well, I hang on your every word, so that is a done deal for me. Um Thank I you, am, I am sorry for the injustices that you've experienced, and oh, I am sorry for the pain that has been in your life, but I am oh. so deeply grateful for the person that they have made you. I would never um, celebrate pain or injustice, um, but I do celebrate your resiliency, and I am grateful oh, um, to call you friend oh, and Allison. to call you sister. Yes. You, you started yes. off this podcast calling me sister. And I yes. <laughs> am going to embrace that title, Thank dear, you. dear Good. sister. And I hope that we, um, our paths cross forever, forever, ever.
1: <laughs> All right. I love I love it. Closing it out with the outcast re- reference. Absolutely. My dear sister, Allison, thank you so much. We will be encountering each other again. The Lord just can't put us in each other's lives and not allow us to see each other again. So I think he I'm had way too much to... fun with this conversation. So, <laughs> I
0: think so too. bless I you. Think bless so too. you. I hope thank you have a happy Allison. rest of the day. You too. God bless. Bye bye. Hello, Beef and Nader. How's it going? Um, as you know, Dr. Gloria Purvis is one of my very favorite people to follow um, and listen to and read. I just am, admire her work so much. And it was, I, I, I kind of had to make myself be quiet about it just so we could like get to the topic at hand. Um, but it was such a delight to have her on the show. And she was more, I didn't know, I knew that I wanted to talk to her. When we connected in person, I got a glimpse into some of the details of her story. And she talked about, suffering and trial in such a way that I was like, that's what I would love mm-hmm. to dive into with her. And then, but then when I invited her on the show, I didn't know, and, and either was fine to me, but I didn't know how personal she would get yeah. if she wanted to talk about it specifically or if she mm-hmm. wanted to talk about it broadly, just as a topic and as a Christian, how we, you know. Um, and I was so honored that she went into so many details of her yeah. own personal suffering. Um did yeah, you have so, any big takeaways? So mm-hmm. you no, know,
2: I loved like I I loved listening to her and getting to know her better through the podcast. This is one that I'll definitely listen to more than once. Um, but I would love to meet her in person. Um, yeah. Like you said, like, I just feel like she's um, just someone you could sit at the feet of and listen to all day.
0: For a long time, yes. And wh- they always tell you, like, be careful about meeting your heroes. <laughs> you know? Right, right. You could be disappointed. And this, this was not that. So it's such a delight. But what I, one of the things that I, that I took away is that when she did get specific about some of the, the deep hurts in her life, I loved that she honored the big ones. The big ones like losing her sister. And then maybe that she'd never framed as not big. She didn't say mm-hmm. that ever, not one mm-hmm. time. But a world, the world could listen to it and say, oh, you didn't get class president? Like you had to have a runoff because you felt like they weren't being fair. Mm-hmm. And she'd never once dismissed that that was different than a, right. the loss of a family member. There's just something right. to that to me that I'm like, thank you. Thank yes. you for this.
2: No, I mean, I've said before, like your, your worst loss is your worst loss, right? It doesn't have anything to do with how it compares to somebody else's and it is for you and it's, it's your pain and it's something that shouldn't be measured against others. Right. And if we're constantly looking left and right, instead of just where we are and what we're experiencing, we're never going to be able to deal with that. You know, and she's obviously speaks about that so well.
0: I think that people need a certain permission to feel yeah. their pain. And if we're looking around going, but hers is more right. and not giving ourselves the permission to do the work that we need to do to actually heal, then that side to side can be a, a horrible barrier that, mm-hmm. you know, just keeps us in this is stuck in the same place. Um, a lot of the holidays, you know, Christmas time, for whatever reasons. I mean, just literally I've been decorating my house and so my I literally have glitter on my face right now. Like I'm sh- I'm literally <laughs> shining. And um and so I was thinking about how Christmas can so often <sighs> Stir up mm-hmm. a lot of these pains that we yep. hold, and I, I, whether it's nostalgia or that it's supposed to be this shiny, bright holiday, yeah. <laughs> and and it's and it might not feel that way. Um, what are some of the reasons that you think that Christmas can drum all of this up? And do you have a helpful hint around what it does drum
2: up? Yeah, no, I've definitely been feeling that. What we were like halfway through December, no, not even halfway through December, but I yeah. just feel like something about December coming. It's just it's this blur of like intentionality and heaviness for me, right? Yeah. Um and so for me, it's the heaviness is um just about the loss, right? People that that aren't here that I miss. Um and I I get caught up in thinking about you know, um, experiences and memories that I've had in the past during this time of the year with people that are no longer here. So kind of getting stuck there rather than being present, but then also, um, being less joyful in the present because I'm thinking about how much better it would be if those people were here. Right. So it's, it's yeah. present and, and past. Um, so I, I, have already been thinking about this, what, what I do or what I try to do is like, for example, if it's missing my mom, right. Thinking about, um, how fun Christmas was when she was here. Um, and then thinking about how much more fun it would be today if she was here, um, I try to stop and think, well, what what about it is like, what a blessing it is that I can have something to miss. Like what was so fun that I got to experience mm-hmm. that I'm missing. And so I was just thinking about the other day, like she's always on me to like, stop sweating the small stuff, relax more, um, and just like have fun. Right. And so I would, I did this weekend, like put on my Christmas jammies and she would also be saying, eat more cookies, eat more of the junk because it's um, Christmas and calories don't count for Jesus, right? Like this is, they don't count. Um, And so I literally put on my Christmas jammies and we got out cookie dough and sprinkles and took that joy that my mom brought to me in the past and would be bringing Mm. in the future. And we still Mm -hmm. created it, right? Because I want my kiddos to have that. Um, So just trying to be Um, To sit with it, acknowledge it, try to name it, and then do it right. Yeah, whatever it is that I'm missing. Yeah,
0: thank you, thank you so much for that. I I feel like well, I this is the the opposite side of the same coin. It's it's not quite personal, but I know because we have a very small family. um, But I know that other people are in situations with family members. And and it's like people haven't loved us the ways that they should or right. the ways that they promised or the ways that we thought. And mm-hmm. so a lot of hurt can come obviously from your situation, from people not being there, but then also a lot of hurt can come from people who are there, are that, there right. that hurt us or that trigger us or, um, or ridicule. Us. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I... Feel like a a really good permission giver as we talk about having giving permission to our feelings is good boundary setting and having a couple of phrases in our pocket that allow us to maybe grab some power back, regardless Mm -hmm. whose house we're in or whatever, Mm -hmm. that just says, what do you mean by that? And then there's an opportunity for someone to either double down and offer (laughs) you a way out to leave um, um, or... Apologize, you know, like be shown um, right. how something they said might have made someone feel, and then so there's an invitation there to to a reconciliation. So you're either I protecting like yourself, um, or maybe even smaller scale, just smaller scale of big families and and hustling and bustling and competitive cousins, and I don't know. Um, but um, going for a walk, like mm-hmm. you are free to bring a book. or your knitting project (laughs) or your tennis shoes to strap on and take a walk around the block anytime you please
2: right and just having a plan right like the plan of what to say or the plan of what mm -hmm. to do is just empowering right and so you don't have to be caught up in that anxiety of like what if this happens when this happens this is what I will do right that's free Yes. yes love it
0: uh, I feel like one good cohort beef. You've always been this for me. One good friend just yes. across the room to make eyes at too. Doesn't hurt
2: anything. <laughs> or to call from the bathroom, whatever you need. <laughs> Get an ally. All right. Love you, beef. Love you. Bye.
0: Today's show was a production of Allison Sullivan in conjunction with the Forte Catholic Podcast Network. For more great Catholic podcasts, head on over to fortecatholic.com slash podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts.